Joshua 12, got here the uh, definition of the the land which was uh, was conquered by by Joshua. And start off then in verse in verse one of Joshua chapter 12. <clears throat> now these are the kings of the land when the children of Israel struck and possessed their land beyond the Jordan. Now the kings of the land, the Hebrew word eretz, that's translated land can mean both the land of Israel, as in the land promised to Abraham, and also the whole planet. Now, it has been observed by quite a few Bible students that the first occurrence of a term in the, in the Bible uh, is how we, it should influence, let's say, how we, we read that term later on. Now, the kings of the land, or the kings of the earth, then, are clearly the the kings, the, the rulers in the land promised to Abraham. When you come to Revelation, you read the same uh, phrase about the kings of the earth or the kings of the land. And I just mention that in passing because I, I do think that the whole thrust of Bible prophecy and therefore Revelation also is clearly based around the, the, the land that was promised to Abraham and the uh, situation with the, the Arab peoples or whatever you want to call them, the, the, the peoples living in that area. That's just uh, in passing. Now, verse 2, this chapter describes the conquest of two kings to the east of Jordan, that's Sihon and Og, and 31, we've read the, uh, the long list of them, uh, 31 kings that were to the west. So there was a total of 33 uh, tribes or kings that were overcome by, by Joshua. And as you know, Joshua is the Hebrew word for Jesus. And the whole account of Joshua's conquest of the kingdom is, of course, looking forward to the work of the Lord Jesus in overcoming every possible barrier that there might be between you and me inheriting God's kingdom. Now, the fact there were 33 kings overcome, inevitably one thinks of the 33 years of Christ's life in which he overcame every potential obstacle to our inheriting the kingdom. Now, that's a huge encouragement, because we do tend to feel that there may be uh, habits, there may be uh, character weaknesses, which we fear may, may, may keep us out of God's kingdom for one person. It may be an anger problem, it may be an addiction, it may be all kinds of things, a, a hang-up with your in-laws, a hang-up with uh, your neighbours, or with an ecclesia, or a situation, or whatever. And people say to me, I fear that my my bad attitude to this person or that person may keep me out of the kingdom. Well, the thing is, we are not inevitable sinners, and we are not doomed to spiritual failure. The point is that, potentially at least, every single potential barrier between you and me inheriting God's kingdom has been dealt with and overcome. Now, <clears throat> I think the, uh, the territory is mentioned in such detail in the book of Joshua, and including here in chapter 12, say from verse 2 to verse 5, um, <clears throat> because the victory against the king of the area meant that Israel were to now go and possess his territory. But as we know from the book of Judges, they failed to do that, generally. So the victory was won by Joshua, by Jesus, but Israel, God's people, failed to, to go ahead and, and make good on that and actually possess it. So, <clears throat> in a sense, we, uh, we, we look at, at 
all the reasons why I might not enter the kingdom, this weakness, that addiction, whatever it might be in, in every person's life, that hang-up that I have, that lack of faith about this point or that point. And we look at the book of Joshua here, and you see cities, confederacies of great kings, giants, military power, all these things just crumbled before Joshua. And it's looking forward to how all these things crumble before the Lord Jesus, because he has won the victory over every aspect of human weakness. This was the amazing thing that was achieved in the 33 years of his life, like the 33 kings here that are overcome, that every aspect of human weakness he went through and overcame it. But Israel just did not make good on that. They were just happy with uh, getting their little farmsteads on some decent land and kind of forgetting about it. Um, it's emphasized in verse uh, 8 that he conquered um, <clears throat> the mountains, the lowland, in the Arabah, and the slopes, and the wilderness. Now in the book of Judges, you find that actually the Canaanite tribes went to live there in the mountains and on the slopes, whilst Israel had the good land. But even where they were living, Joshua had actually overcome and conquered those areas. And yet they were just satisfied with, well, I've got my little bit of land, that will do me just fine. They had no vision for inheriting the, the whole of the kingdom. And that can be a very similar mentality to what we have. That we can kind of feel that, well, yes, I'm sort of where I am, I have... Um, uh, believed and I'm sort of just sort of stuck where I am in a rut in this sort of bit of spirituality that I have and uh, that is where I shall stay and that is the exact mentality which Israel had and which led to them ultimately failing to inherit the whole kingdom and so this self-satisfaction this recognition that well yeah I'm not the best but uh, yeah well I'm just how I am and this is what I am that is quite different to the very dynamic picture of spiritual life that you get in the New Testament. The idea of radical joy, of radical triumph, of, of, of peace, um, of a very deep joy, um, and of a living in newness of life, not the same old scene all the time. When you come to the New Testament, you keep on encountering the language of inheritance. Ephesians 1.14 says that we have received a guarantee of receiving the inheritance of the purchased possession. And I suggest that that language is taken right out of these records of the conquest and possession of Canaan. But the inheritance was sure. It was the purchased possession that God, as we read in the Psalms, had in that sense purchased by his right hand. And that Joshua, Jesus, had uh, secured for Israel. Got it again in Colossians 1.12, the inheritance of the saints. Colossians 3.24, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Now the promises to Abraham are all about possessing the gate of Israel's enemies. And that all had an initial fulfillment in these conquests of Joshua. And so in a sense, because we are in Christ, we have already, Ephesians 1 verse 11, we have already obtained an inheritance. And yet we are still awaiting, uh, in another sense, that inheritance. It is now and yet not yet. 
So then, what are we to make of this? I, I think the point is that the inheritance is sure, but it just depends on our degree of spiritual vision as to whether we will go get it. Because in a sense, the promises to Abraham on the whole, good news of the kingdom, has a level of fulfillment in our lives right now. You look at all the Lord's teaching about the, the gospel of the kingdom as explained in the parables. It's not all talking about a future inheritance of land in God's kingdom. It is taught, those parables of the kingdom are talking about a, a life of joy, of forgiveness, uh, of grace lived out here and now. Now that is not to say that the future physical, if you like, kingdom of God shall not come and that we should not rejoice in hope of receiving that kingdom and an inheritance in it. But I'm saying that that is not actually the complete picture of Bible teaching about the, the kingdom of God and the fact that, in a sense here, they were given, Israel were given uh, their inheritance in the kingdom, but in another sense they didn't actually go and possess it. That is, they didn't experience it. Uh, th th that is, uh, I think, a, a very powerful prototype for our position now. Acts 26, verse 18. By turning to Christ, we receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith. That is what he says, an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. He got the same idea in uh, Acts 20, verse 32. Uh, he talks about commending them to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build them up and to lead them to an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Now notice in those two references and Acts that the inheritance is among all those others who are sanctified. And that is what you, you keep on reading about 20 times or more here in the Old Testament, especially in Joshua, that the inheritance was received among their brethren. An inheritance among their brethren. There you got Joshua open, just have a look at chapter 14 verse 3. To the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. Chapter 16, uh, verse 9. Um, sorry, that, that's uh, not a good one. 17, chapter 17, verse uh, 4. Give us an inheritance among our brothers. Verse 6. Um, they had an inheritance among his sons. Uh, chapter 19, verse, uh, verse 49. Uh, an inheritance among, um, in the midst of their brethren. And uh, you can look in my, uh, my uh, Old Testament commentary and you'll see uh, all these other things, uh, other references listed in Numbers and Deuteronomy, etc. That the inheritance is normally an inheritance among your brethren. And as I say, that is picked up in Acts in 26.18 and 20.32, an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith. So then salvation is not a purely personal matter, that God promised to give me personally a bit of land in God's kingdom, and uh, that's it, and uh, by grace I shall receive it. It is a, an inheritance among our brethren. In that sense, salvation is collective, Salvation is in Christ, or more correctly, in the body of Christ. The body of Christ lived and died and rose again, and lives forever. And by baptism into the body, we have the opportunity to also share that same resurrection and eternal life. 
But that is on account of being in the body. So salvation is not just you looking over a table at, at God with a Bible in front of, in between you and the Lord Jesus in between you kind of thing. Uh, and well, on that basis, you're going to get your reward or your inheritance, let's say. Um, no, the, the whole idea is that salvation has been achieved in a person, that is in the Lord Jesus, and we must enter into him and abide in him, that is, in his body. But the whole crux of the issue is that it's not just you in that body. If you're going to have a meaningful role in that body, a meaningful experience of uh, living out what it means to be in the body, then that involves involvement with others. It involves cooperation in whatever form. And the Internet is a, a great way these days for us to quite conveniently be able to, to live out that, uh, that practical involvement with each other. The whole idea of sort of glorious isolation, that I shall go it alone because, uh, well, I've got a relationship with God and Jesus, uh, I'm afraid that is missing the point. So then, they were given these uh, these areas, and we're told uh, here in, in Joshua 12 that um, they were, the land was given unto the tribes of Israel according to their divisions. I understand that to mean that, um, or according to their families, uh, some Bibles say, it says that all the way through, doesn't it, verse 10, uh, the lot was given to the children of Zebulun according to their families, or according to their divisions, verse 17, Issachar according to their families, 24, Asher according to their families, or divisions. So each tribe was divided into divisions or families, and each family or division was given a specific land inheritance within the tribal area. Now, it seems that we don't actually have that recorded. Uh, we have the, the general coordinates of the, uh, the territory promised to each tribe recorded, uh, but not the actual individual family inheritance. The fact that it existed, because it's alluded to here, the lots were given to the children of Zebulun according to their families. And then all we read of is the, the border of the, uh, the, the total tribal inheritance. Uh, that's pretty incredible. That God thought up for each family group a specific in, <clears throat> inheritance in his kingdom. But it seems that they didn't inherit as God intended. In fact, you have the same uh, Hebrew phrase in Ezekiel 47, verse 29, to describe how in the intended re-establishment of the kingdom after the return from exile, the land would be divided by lot unto the tribes of Israel for inheritance, and these are their portions, or families, or divisions. Same word. Now, again, it didn't seem to happen in Ezekiel's time, and so the whole promise will come true to the new Israel, in the sense that we will also receive a specific personal inheritance in God's kingdom. So the, the specific land inheritance that was mapped out by God in heaven, so far away from planet Earth, um, but, but mapped out uh, in, in perfect knowledge of what would be best for each family, for each group, that is somewhat redefined in the New Testament in terms of forgiveness, sanctification, etc. As we, we read there in, the, in Acts 20, that, that if we turn to God, <clears throat> those who turn to God and receive forgiveness, 
they receive sanctification and the inheritance among them who are sanctified. So then, that is not to say that we will not also literally inherit the earth and, it seems, specific parts of it. Five cities, two cities, etc., in terms of the Lord's parable. Although the essence of the inheritance is far more than only a land inheritance, it is also about relationship with God and the nature of that uh, that relationship. So, that is just incredible, that God has thought out a specific eternal future for each of us, just as God in heaven, so far away from the land of Canaan, knew exactly, exactly every stone in that land, and divided the whole thing up, not only to each tribe, but to which uh, family or, div- <coughs> or division within the tribe. And so God has thought up a specific eternal future for you and me. And that is incredible. Not just a, a physical inheritance of land, but a nature of relationship. This is absolutely mind-blowing. And that by baptizing people into the Abrahamic covenant and helping them to abide in Christ, we're helping them to also have their hope of the inheritance. And in a sense, we have already received it. But, as I say, it's a case of both now and yet not yet. Uh, It is the promised inheritance, and yet Ephesians 1.11, we have received the inheritance. So then, God is developing us now to make us suitable for that specific aspect of relationship with him uh, and inheritance in all its senses, both geographical, physical, uh, and especially spiritual, in his kingdom. The tragedy is, of course, that Israel, according to Judges, did not uh, really inherit as God intended. These 31 kings that you've got listed here in, uh, in, in Joshua uh, 12, it seems to me that they are listed in the order in which they were defeated. That's why they start with Jericho in verse 9, and then Ai, which was obviously the next city after Jericho. Now, there's archaeological evidence for the destruction of, jo- of Jericho and Ai at this time, but no- nothing really archaeologically for the rest of the cities that are mentioned here. And I suggest that that's because Israel did not follow up on the victories that Joshua won in battle against their kings. He killed their kings, but Israel did not take over their cities, didn't trash the cities as they were told. Um, And so the whole thing didn't really come true, as God intended. Just amazing that God kept on and on working with them despite this. Now, the territory that's described here in this chapter 12, which I would take this chapter 12 as a summary, really, of Joshua's campaigns, it excludes and you really need to look at a map to see this, but it excludes the territory of the Adameans, Moab, Amalek, uh, and the Philistines, which were all part of the land promised to Abraham. So God, as it were, reduced the territory he gave to his people because he knew they couldn't cope with driving out the nations from all of it. But even then, even though he made it easy, they still failed to inherit all that land, as, as Judges makes clear. 
that God makes concessions to our human weakness, and we should bear that in mind in dealing with the weakness of others. Um, just reflect a little bit on how God has made concessions to your weakness. He's given us to deal with what he knows we can conquer, but even then we fail. We fail to live up to the, uh, the potential, or we, we may win the victory initially and then throw it all away. See verse 21, you read that about the, uh, the king of Tanak, the king of Megiddo, being killed. But just a few pages further on in the Bible, Judges 1.27, this was soon back in Canaanite hands. So, it's a, a tragic story really. And yet God continued to try to work with those people. And in this I, I see the, the wonder of the divine, uh, let's say, project. With, with us on planet earth we also if you're honest the, the more you look at your life the more I think you will see that that God has set up all kinds of potentials for you which sometimes you've made a fair crack at them many times you've not risen up to it at all and yeah the point is that the Lord Jesus has gone before us and he has won these victories and really it is all there for us to inherit and so when on the last day we will stand before the Lord Jesus and he will say by his grace to us, come inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Maybe we will perceive then that like an inheritance, a specific land inheritance was prepared for each, each little family of Israel, so it was for us. God from the very beginning, right before creation, he knew you and me. He knew our uniqueness, he knew every part uh, of our personality and how we would develop and what would be just wonderful for us. And he prepared that right from the start. And when the Lord Jesus comes, having prepared us in this brief life for it, he will say, come and inherit that kingdom, that part of the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world.